be a left knee this on Cliffhanger back in October. Uh, he had just raised last year from the dead at the end of chapter 11. His most spectacular miracle of all. So he is now at the peak of his popularity. Lazarus is a rock star as well. And he just went ahead and did this knowing that it was going to cost him his life. But every time those hypocritical, jealous Jewish leaders tried to take him down, tried to take him out by force, tried to strip him up and trap him, they failed. And they knew that this time they could not fail. They could not let this go on any further. This whole messianic movement was getting out of hand. And they got to take it out this time. So the conspiracy murder plot is in full force. And nothing left to fall into place. It's due to carry it so much. So, when we last left in just a few days, or at most a few weeks, at the conference, it became a fugitive. He was withdrawn from Jerusalem, but now he's ready to head back, knowing that he's not believing the cross. But before he gets to Jerusalem, Stops in this little village a couple miles east on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives to that Mount Bethany where he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And they were throwing a dinner party in his honor. So Lazarus is there with him. Lazarus' sister Martha is once again serving, serving a meal. And, uh, you know, we've seen this before, right? We just been to the home of Lazarus and Martha. Enjoyed a meal, but Martha and Mary were, were preparing for him. But you know, Martha was the one doing all the work. And she was upset, she was annoyed. And her sister Mary was not helping her out, so she complained to Jesus. Make her help me. But where do we find Mary? She said she was deep listening to him speak. And so he descends and commends her. And even though what Martha was doing good, great and worshipful, what Mary chose to do was more important. So this time, Martha served again, which again is another wonderful act of worship. But we find Mary asked to be And this time, she's doing more than just listening. She was broken open, and alabaster jar of milk. This is not a kind of ointment or an oil uh, that she would pour on Jesus' feet. Now, the other gospel is that she poured the milk on his head as well, which would have been fairly normal. Fairly customary to do with that, but not on the feet. What is she facing here? Now, so the servant in a home would typically wash their cat's feet after being out of the dusty, dirty, muddy road. And Jesus himself is going to do that just a few days later himself to his disciples at the Last Supper. But this is a full pound of expensive imported. Nard worth a year's wages. How much is that? Well, how much is it today? I don't know exactly, but let's go on to conservative that. Let's say fifty thousand dollars. Who's that fifty thousand dollars flying around the house ready to get to somebody? And it just seems crazy. And it would be crazy if it weren't you or anybody else. I just think they just go. Pure knowledge is something that is very valuable to her. Probably her entire life saving. Wanting to save it up for something special, maybe for retirement, maybe for a dowry, 
for a marriage one day and the money for their own life, father would transfer to the groom. But Jesus is far more valuable than that. And there's a potential future husband. This is the man that raised her brother from the dead. This is more than a man. This is that miracle working Messiah who would raise up many people on the final day. So this is a supreme act of worship and devotion. And it's humbling. And it's perfect. It's making her head to like this seat. Your heart, your motive, and this is Peter's Spirit points out that this is a huge waste of money. This money could have been used to help the poor. Now, Matthew's Gospel, you may not know, points out that all the disciples felt that way. They, they all said, Why this waste? They all resented it. And I just happened to see a couple on social media this week with me, so I'll throw it for you. Pouring the perfume. Thank you. 
that way too. What they also don't understand is that God doesn't call churches to be just another community in the community, redistributing funds. That's, that's not our mission. But yes, we're, we're supposed to help each other in the church and to be good to all people, but especially the household of faith. The our mission is about making disciples, about sharing the gospel, spreading the good news. So we couldn't do any of that without God's people giving. No building, no staff, no equipment, no nothing. Giving is worship. And beautiful buildings, like that, beautiful buildings can truly honor God and make us happy a jumpy outdoor. And investing in equipment that, you know, is a little bit better, not high end stuff, you know, mid range that gets the job done well. Isn't that a better investment than buying a bunch of cheaping out on stuff that's going to break down and wear out really quickly? So we all have views on, on those kinds of things, but you might, you might think, well, why, why do we waste money on things like a life or um, a sound system or cameras? What a waste. Why do you don't consider it a waste? What we need it for. Let's get up into the top of the mission. Some may say, well, having thought of a church is a waste. We don't consider the waste. What they do, how they, what their function is, what their role is. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without it. Our church has just come through the budget process. We spend time going through what and you know, you might look through the budget lines and say, well, why, why are we spending so much money on communion supplies? Well, there was a thing called COVID, so you can form the company, switch over to the usual cup thing, and that and Yeah, but other churches only have communion once a month. Look how much money they're saving. There are ways to do it every week. You know, it's considered a waste. Because that's the biblical example. We do it every week. And we do it to show our love and our gratitude for Jesus. Jesus didn't have a lot of money. He didn't have any place to save his head. But he did have some money. We know that because they had a money bag. Who was in charge of it? Judas. He, he was the treasurer. Or the, the, the disciple. He was a thief. So he pilfered from the donations. And that is hardcore brazen. That's like those ministers you read about in the news of church secretaries who embezzled from their church. You are stealing right from God Himself. Jesus was able to fool everybody, and He could be trusted with the money. That's how those guys are living time and peace together. Maybe that's what set him off, what made him so angry. It triggered him to finally go to the chief priest and offer to Jesus because that money didn't get so 
Mary loved and worshipped Jesus. Who again? To Satan and to man first. That's the other guy saying on this. He said, leave her alone. She has done something beautiful for me. The beauty lay in the very gravity of that gift. What he was doing was a beautiful act of worship, an act of worship I never Somebody look at you and say, you give money to your church? What a waste! You tithe your fingers in. What a waste! That seems crazy. Why would you do that when you could have a bigger house and better vacations and nicer cars and season passes? It's all true. You could. But once you understand who Jesus is and what He's done for you, you don't feel pressure. You don't feel obligated to give. You want to give. It's worth it. Remember how the wise men brought the gift to Jesus? Costly one. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which is pretty much what Mark was. It's expensive, fragrant perfume used for worship. Now, the wise men were probably fairly wealthy out of There's no indication that Mary was wealthy at all. What she gave cost her. And if you, if you were to give a year's wage, that would be very costly. Why would you do that? And her love for Jesus moved her to be lost. Nothing was too special to give to Jesus. I mean, this is some knockoff follow-up. This is imported expensive stuff. And John remembered. Yeah, smells to keep it back. He remembered the sweet smell of flavor filling up the sea. In the Old Testament, first chapter 5, verse 46, it gave off the aroma that was pleasing to the Lord because it represented sacrifice. And all the time in the temple, there was Incense burning, sweet smelling fragrances. And whatever you give to the Lord, if it comes from the heart, it's sweet smelling fragrances. And all the things that you have to do, or you don't have to do, is to give it to the Lord. That's what King David said a long time ago in 2 Samuel 24. He said, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. If he doesn't have a lot, if he has a little, it wasn't due with what he had. Who here would really be able to get a year's wages? You know, there's another story where Jesus sees a woman putting in two pennies into the temple treasury. And he says, for two days, I'm going to find this, and all the wealth that he has to be taken from the temple. And he says, what is this? 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 So whether you're rich, whether you're poor, the first thing is that you've got to be a good steward of what God has done. When was the last time you really gave something to the Lord and asked for 
Or does your worship become more about what can I get out of it? Everything, but they don't know the boundaries. Jesus also said, but this is something that Mary could only do now. He said, anytime you want to do good to the poor, you can, but you're always going to have them with you. He's not discouraging giving to the poor, but he's putting a priority. He's putting an urgency to it. But there are opportunities to come along in life that have to be seen in the moment. You're never going to have that opportunity again. Because you always have opportunities to get to the Lord. do that. But right now, for her to get this special gift to Jesus, this is it. The one and only opportunity. This nard that she had, maybe had been holding on to for her own funeral one day. Maybe for her and Mary, or her and Martha, I don't know. They're saving it for themselves to give it to Jesus. And this is what Deliberately uh, wanted him to 
seriously consider the decision you're making. I don't want this to be an emotionally important thing. Now, that's as far as I know, I'm not giving a message that I'm motivated to talk about this yet. If you want to, be my guest. But what I hope is that we will renounce what the world says is safe and valuable. You can get a little bit crazy for that.
that the writing is also done in the book of Revelation, where he sees this vision, Revelation 7 after this I look, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all the tribes of people, standing before the throne, before the land, clothed in white robes, Crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. He's just waiting for the Father to send him back. There could be any time This time, though, he will be revealed in full glory as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords riding across the sky on a majestic white horse, returning in triumph and with judgment. And he can, have you ever done it? Have you looked up at the sound or the feeling and you imagine it dissolving away? And there you see Jesus riding across the sky. It's been split in two and rolled up like a scroll, surrounded by countless angels. And he's prepared to land back down on the new heavens and the new earth and establish his throne. Thank you. 